0: Conrad, happy anniversary. Did we, is this our anniversary, Guy? Actually, I should, no. I should already know the answer to this question. It is my 20th wedding anniversary. And, you know, it, it kind of has flown by. You know, my parents called and they're like, does this feel like a great accomplishment? And it's like, it's kind of the expectation, right? <laughs> well, congratulations. That's a huge milestone. I'm assuming you're in marital bliss. As soon as we finish recording, I am off to spend an evening. I'm leaving my kids at home like a bad parent, and my wife and I are going off, and uh, we're spending an evening at the Salish Lodge out here in Washington, and we're doing nothing. It's great.
1: Fantastic. Well, let's tear
0: through this episode. What else are we talking (laughs) about today? And thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Goodbye. Um, No, (laughs) we've got the news as usual, and we're going to do a whole session on targeting. This came up last session when we were talking about branding. And we're going to do a lunch hour legal marketing 101 on targeting, how to do it, what it means. And then we're going to go deep into a case study of a well-known lawyer about their own geo-targeting mishaps. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And when we get back, we're going to hit the news. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice, here on Legal Talk Network. All right, welcome everyone to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. As usual, we're going to start off with the news and is dominated by stuff coming out of you from the good people in Mountain View. All right, three big things coming to you from Google. First, Andrew Shotland, local marketing extraordinaire, posited, this is just this morning, that it is perhaps the local pack is seeing less prominence. So if you are seeing less action in the local pack, you may not be the only one. Secondly, Gee, you have really strong recommendations of what to do about Google's core algorithm update that came out in September. What should everyone stop, drop and roll and do? Well, to be factual, it was really
1: in reference to the helpful content update, but oh, um, I apologize. it's the same answer. It's the <laughs> same answer. Nothing. Do nothing. You know, SEO people like us We love to talk about these updates because guess what? It gets everybody scared and like, oh, I got to go make changes. In 20 years of Google, last 20 years, there's probably a dozen updates that really significantly changed what you should be doing, at least in my opinion. And so don't go mass delete your content, which is why I know that's what I see SEOs on social media telling people, go delete all your content because it's not helpful. Great. Really smart.
0: Okay. Do nothing. Brought to you by Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Sit around and (laughs) do nothing. Do nothing. But I mean, seriously, marketing tip for the day. Marketing tip for the day. But ultimately, when these things are all over the place, and there's a lot of variability in the search results right now, there's another post on that recently. You got to see where the data falls. And most of you don't have, A, this is not the right time to analyze the data because it is in flux. And B, most of you don't have enough <laughs> data to analyze anyway. So, you don't have
1: enough data, and you're, and you're, I, I promise you, you're looking at it wrong. I mean, many of you are like, oh, I see some fluctuation happen. You're not even checking what version Google has crawled and indexed of your site, the dates that they did that. And your tools lag time that's reporting all this stuff to you. And so then, you you know, you see these updates, you see these headlines, you come to lunch our legal marketing, you read, the, hear the news, helpful content update. Oh, better go research that and go delete all my pages that aren't helpful because otherwise I'm not going to rank. And then you, then your traffic really falls off
0: a cliff. So do nothing, be careful, don't be an amateur about this. And finally... The last thing coming out of Google is an update to, and I mean, this is just showing up more and more to their AI policy, but the Google Search Helpful Content System and your website, they have dropped the words helpful content written by people, for people in search results to helpful content created for people in search results. So Gee, your suspicion is the reason they've dropped this is because they can't tell the difference between AI-generated content and human-generated content. Fair?
1: Yeah, mostly they can't. I mean, you look. You, I'll I'll prove it to you. Go to ChatGPT and ask it to give you, you know, five different greetings in English, and it's going to say something like "hello" and "how are you" and that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? Google can't tell if ChatGPT wrote that or a human being wrote it, and uh, they don't care. It also, is also important because <laughs> for a variety of reasons. You know, and I saw this change, too. And my interpretation is they dumped this language a while back. They had already said they don't care about whether a machine does it or not, as long as their tools and their machine deems it helpful. Now, how they do
0: that. Yeah. All right. So don't worry about your AI-generated content bringing you to the bottom of the system. No, links. go search. Go search for right now while you're sitting there. Go search for
1: ChatGPT for legal marketing. And I'm very confident on the first page, you will see a post that was completely written by ChatGPT. And the reason I know this is because I
0: published that post and it still ranks, even now. The beautiful irony. All right. And for those of you who will be at ClioCon, you can see both Guy and myself. And Guy, I think we have a bit of a giveaway. Can you talk about the LHLM swag available to you only in Nashville or Las Vegas? We got swag. We got, we're starting with
1: trucker hats because trucker hats are amazing and they actually show up on video when we record you asking us a question. So flag down Conrad or I, ask a question, we'll give you a hat, we'll record you and we'll talk about it and answer your question on the show. So uh, if you needed more swag in your life, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing is here to deliver.
0: This is the first ever swag that we've developed for LHLM, I believe. So catch us both at Clio or find me at Masterworks Made Perfect later on that week. And we'll record questions and we'll answer them on the airwaves later on. All right. When we come back, we are going to give you guys, I think it's a primer in the US. It's a primer in English on targeting. And following that, we're going to go deep into a case study about geotargeting.
1: Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive, or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads,
0: CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free.
1: Welcome back, class. We are back in school at Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Have a seat. And we've got some LHLM 101. And today's topic is an overview of targeting in marketing. Conrad, why don't you define what we mean by targeting
0: Yeah, so, I mean, at the very highest level, targeting is ensuring that you are putting the right message in front of the right person at the right time. And one of the keys with targeting, one of the difficulties that law firms have, especially the smaller you are and in the bigger market that you're in, it's very difficult to try and boil that ocean or reach the entire city. And the smaller your budget is, the more ineffective it is when you try and have that really, really large reach. Because as we talked about at the last podcast, People really need to see things seven times before they even remember anything, right? And so it's that repeated exposure. How do you get repeated exposure in an entire city? You don't. But if you can constrict that market, constrict where those ads are being delivered to a segment of the population, you'll do a lot better. And there are lots of different ways, and we'll put these in the notes. There's a great post from HubSpot about uh, identifying target markets. There are lots of different ways to segment out a market. And we're gonna cover four of them. The first, G is behavioral targeting. What do we mean when we talk about behavioral targeting? So
1: that's based on some user's behavior. It might be that they've already visited your site. In the case, you might do retargeting. It might be that they are following a certain client journey. So you might see in your analytics data that a large number of your clients follow a certain path. Maybe they you know, subscribe to your email and then they click on your site and then they click on an ad or something like that. And so you can use that to inform your targeting, your ad targeting.
0: One of my favorite behavioral targeting that you can do is identifying people who have visited competitive sites. So I'll move outside of the legal world, but if I start looking at the Ford website, I may get hit by ads from Chevy without having ever been to the Chevy site. So interesting ways to do behavioral targeting. The next one is psychographics. Okay. What do we mean by psychographic targeting? So this is
1: identifying beliefs, attitudes. I, I like to think about it as like, this is the, like what keeps people up at night in the context of your potential clients. And so lawyers would probably be familiar with this in terms of jury selection and Vardir when they're trying to understand people's biases, beliefs, and attitudes. Uh, that plays a role in your audience targeting, too.
0: Okay. Psychographics. And and the one that's often associated with that is demographic. Demographic targeting. Give me a great example of where demographic targeting is super important in the legal world.
1: Well, you know, in certain practice areas, lawyers want to focus on people who can afford their services. And so, you know, especially if they think about, like, family law and divorce and, um, You know, a lot of lawyers are like, well, I want to do these high net worth divorces because there's more fee in it for me. But there's all sorts of demographics that you might consider. Age is a demographic. You know, technically, location is a demographic. I know we're going to talk about that as a separate one. But um, yeah, it's it's the data, audience data that you can use to inform your campaigns.
0: It's interesting with location and the, the geographic targeting. I mean, geographic basically means where you are. Geographic targeting can be really effective at hitting both demographic and psychographic targeting. So th- this type of person lives in this neighborhood, but it really depends on the city, right? And it depends on your area. You may have a city that is... Um, you know, segregated by affluent areas and non affluent areas. And then, you know, I think of, of Philadelphia as a great example of a city that does not look like that, where block to block, the demographics are amazingly different. It can really change. Seattle is very similar to this, too, where just really small changes in where you are physically can have a massive impact on what your demographics look like. Geographic targeting, really, really important. We're going to go deeper into that. The really cool thing about, and I think this is why uh, social ads are so effective, is our ability to now identify people through targeting, behavioral targeting, psychographic targeting, demographic targeting, geographic targeting. It is amazing with what you can do through a Facebook, through an Instagram, and all of this data really helps put the right message in front of the right person at the right time. The other targeting that I really like to think about is your own CRM system, right? And that. So, so can you talk to me a little bit more about how lawyers are using their own? and, And I mean, a CRM basically at the most basic level is a list. But how are we using lists and CRM systems to actually tactically target people? Well, I'll give the easiest
1: one to me. The easiest one is custom audiences, right? So you've got you know ideally you have a segmented list meaning you've got a list that contains a group of people who are former clients maybe you've got a list that's like referral sources and that, that referral uh, source list might be segmented by like other out of state lawyers that might refer you cases because they don't practice in your state or it might be professional service providers in your area that don't do what you do because you know they get these questions like you know who do you like for x legal thing so by taking that CRM data, those email lists, you can create this custom audience on a social platform, and then stay top of mind with messaging with ads that are specifically speaking to you know that segment. So reaching out to former clients, um, you know, and then that's not. And we're talking about in terms of you know retargeting and custom audiences, but the other thing that is super. Powerful with CRM data is is the personalization aspect because you can actually send them like an, a message on their birthday. You know, you have maybe their anniversary. You know, if you have anniversary data in your uh, CRM, you can wish them a happy anniversary. And uh, I think that kind of segmentation is
0: extremely powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, we're seeing more and more corporate law has has for years and years, decades been effective with CRM based marketing. And we've seen an explosion of CRM based solutions uh, sold to the consumer facing legal industry. So that is, that is absolutely going to continue to separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to, to marketing effectiveness. All right. So our big takeaway here is just because you're in a huge market does not mean you need to boil the ocean. And with targeting, you can actually drill down and find the right people, put that message in front of the right people at the right time. It's not just about your target clients, right? When we come back, we're going to do a quick review, and then we're going to go into a case study on geotargeting.
1: So as Conrad mentioned before the break and stole my thunder, we got a new review for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Best pod I've heard in the space sent by Offscripting. Thank you, Offscripting. Conrad, is that your mom? Not my mom.
0: She does that. Well, it was very I,
1: nice if it was. And whoever you are off scripting, we do appreciate it. Five stars. Conrad and Guy know their stuff, and I get a better understanding of the legal marketing landscape every time I listen. Their great chemistry makes the dose of learning entertaining, which keeps me coming back. Thank you, off scripting. And Conrad, thank you for your contribution to our excellent chemistry.
0: Outstanding. Do we have good chemistry. I love it. We do have good chemistry,
1: it's the pheromones. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Conrad, talk to us about this Facebook post
0: that you found. Sure. So, this was really fascinating to me. I, you know, you and I spend all day long on lawyer websites, and so we get all sorts of targeting on social, we get all sorts of targeting on display. This was a Facebook ad. From Top Dog Law that says, uh, and and I love this; it caught my eye. Anyone in Pennsylvania who's been injured in a motor vehicle, blah 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 blah. So let me talk through. Just this is a terrible medium with which the podcast is a terrible medium with which to explain this. That's but why we the brought it up. Says, yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, the ad says anyone in Pennsylvania who's been injured in a motor vehicle accident, blah blah blah. The URL in that ad says Pennsylvania right? CompensateCarAccidentLawyers.com Pennsylvania. When you click through to that, that redirects to a URL that says Massachusetts. And the content on that landing page says, don't waste time. Pennsylvania residents get 60% more cash. Except I was not in Pennsylvania when I saw this. And so I took a quick screenshot and posted it. And I wrote, when you are a Pennsylvania car accident law firm and your advertising reaches well outside of Pennsylvania, how to burn money. The first thing I want to hit, Guy, is, and I want to ask your opinion on this, do you like those ads? Let's assume I was in Pennsylvania. Do you like those ads that call out the location in the advertisement?
1: Well, as a general advert, you know, LHLM 101, the more tightly relevant that your ad creative is with your audience targeting, the better right? So if you're showing, so in, in, um, you know, the basics are if you're showing ads to people in Pennsylvania, then it's makes sense to use Pennsylvania in your ad copy
0: and in your landing pages and in your messaging. Okay. 100% agree. And we've certainly seen this, like you can get more sophisticated in this. So we had a client for a while that did DUI work in Las Vegas, sorry, in Nevada, right? And so one of the really successful ads that we did was targeting people outside of Nevada who had gotten their DUI while they were being stupid in Las Vegas, right? And super, super effective. Uh, And you can have content that really speaks to that specific thing. Um, We've done it with immigration law for military people in Korea, right? There's a whole lot of stuff that you can do with this in order to make the targeting work. But the key here is, I was not in Pennsylvania. So why was I getting advertisements for Pennsylvania? And I wanna dig into some of these comments. The first big picture comment on this was, hey, you know what, Top Dog Law, they're huge and they're winning, right? So let me read a couple of these for you because I found it really, really fascinating. James is growing like crazy. His organic social strategy is really solid, too. One of the few that get it. Top dog law is absolutely killing it. Great dude as well. And so this might not be wasted. I think he's referring in other sites. I don't think he's burning money. James appears to be growing. So, gee, do you think that because you are growing, you are not burning money? Well, look. Um, you think you're doing it all right because you're winning. Right. And
1: also, you don't believe everything that's written on the internet. But look, I, I have no reason to believe Top Dog's come up in other conversations. I have no sure. reason to doubt that he's doing awesome. I've visited his site. He's got, I think he does a fantastic job telling his story. His social media, the, as mentioned, the organic social media strategy, I think, is extremely compelling. And obviously, the proof's in the pudding. You can go. And we'll put links into the social media profiles and go check out what he's doing. Tremendous following, reach, visibility, all that kind of stuff. My, But I think that for me, the two big things are, one is is that, as you're alluding to, he can be doing all those things right and having a ton of success. And still, some of this stuff gets tricky. And so maybe maybe it was a targeting issue. You know, maybe he wants to advertise nationally for Pennsylvania. I don't know. I don't that to me does seem like they could be implemented a little better. But I, you know, to me, the other thing that this brings up, and I'm in a bunch of these groups. And, you know, we know a lot of the people that commented on this particular post. And you see that. And if you're if you're not in the know, you read some of this stuff. I think this came up when we talked with Paul Faust too. But there's some nuance in there, right? Like some of those right. folks might be. You know, they might have an interest. They might have skin in the game. Maybe they're a referral partner with Top Dog. Maybe they're trying to win Top Dog's marketing business by um, Maybe they run Top name. Dog's Who targeting. <laughs> Maybe they work at Top Dog. I don't know. Um, so I would be careful with that. But constructively, because again, this isn't a knock on Top Dog. Top yeah, Dog's yeah. doing great. This is about constructively, what would you do differently in terms of targeting and and uh, the other thing that, that we can share is, you know, in our prep for having this discussion, uh, I think it's important for people to kind of know some of the nuance here is you can, you know, if you're not familiar with the meta ads library, you can go to the meta ads library and type in an advertiser type in a domain and see the ads that they're running with the landing pages and so. One of the takeaways here is, is that this stuff can get pretty complicated, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, the URL that was, at least the URL that we saw in the Facebook post, um, is probably not an active URL anymore. And so it got 302'd. And so when you click, uh, you know, when I typed in that URL today, it redirected to a Massachusetts page. Now, again, if they're not running ads on it, You know, maybe not a problem, but if someone, you know, bookmarked that, that's why you got to be careful about thinking about how you use landing pages and how your redirects work. Uh, And certainly from a messaging standpoint, you can have a national campaign. Nothing wrong with having a national campaign, but, you know, think about how does Pennsylvania resonate when you're doing a national campaign? You know, so anyway, the the devil's in the details of the implementation. The other critique, constructive critique that I would have, uh, maybe not necessarily, maybe it's not even directed at this particular ad. But in terms of the geo-targeting, I've found that the localized, the more local, so in the same, like, LHLM 101, if Pennsylvania's relevant, you know what's even more relevant? Your local city, right? right? And again, we've seen this, and we've talked about this in the past with Google. Google's got data on this, too proximity matters a lot more to legal services consumers than lawyers want to give it credit for. And so, therefore, you want to be talking about how, you know, I serve your specific city. That's more compelling than, you know, Pennsylvania or I'm a personal injury lawyer. And so it goes kind of back to your point about the boiling the ocean, too.
0: Love that point. If you can actually target where people are, which you actually can, you can drill down a lot tighter than Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, and, and,
1: and, and remember ad targeting, you know, when you think about search, there's two ways to think about geo-ad targeting. There's where the machine thinks you are, and right. there's the, the keyword intent, what you're actually looking for. And so, you know, and again, this is kind of Google Ads 101, but, you know, if you're someone that's searching for, you know, a suburb of Philly, if that local modifier is in their search query, then, you know, you want your ad copy and your landing page to speak to that specific city. And that that's why Google does dynamic ad generation based on the query because they know it works.
0: And I think what happens is when you have all of that dynamic content being generated, if that is not run extremely well, you can end up with things like an advertisement to me suggesting that I'm in Pennsylvania right? And that's where it can go wrong. It's easy for this stuff. The more complex... This is just the way systems work. The more complex the system gets, the more effective it can be if it's working and the more likely it is to completely blow up. So let me let me ask another thing. Let me put it differently. Can you think of any... No, this is just such a straw man argument. Can you think of any good reason... To be advertising Pennsylvania to someone who's not actually in Pennsylvania, and with the, with the exception of I got hit in Pennsylvania and now I'm sitting in Washington State, I can't come up with any other good reason for that.
1: Um, gosh, you know, and I know this is not the case because I my understanding from reviewing the site is, is that he services. Uh, I think he's. I think he has a um, relationship with our lawyers that he refers to, which which is also an interesting thing because. And again, I'm not trying to cast any specific aspersions here, but, you know, there's legal advertising ethical rules. And so depending on how you construct this program and what your disclaimers are and what your messaging is, you got to think about like, you know, are you licensed in all 50 states? Are you disclaiming who the the local attorney is that's responsible for ads in the states that you're advertising in? But I was going to, you know, sorry, I'm going on a legal ethics diatribe here. Back to responding to your question, you know, maybe there's an argument to say, you know, look, if the person's not, wherever they are, this campaign is purely designed to go after the people that you described, out-of-state people who are hurt in Pennsylvania. Now, I will say this, though, in clicking through the landing page, the messaging in this particular case was residents of Pennsylvania. And so, again... Even if you give the benefit of the doubt that it was an ad targeting people that might have been hurt in Pennsylvania, but are out of state, that the messaging doesn't match. And so again, like the point here, again, is not to just beat up on this particular campaign. It's just, you got to really think about the nuance through the whole journey. And um, that's why it's so important that like you see from ad group through creative, through landing page, through follow-up email messaging As you said, the more complicated this gets, it's really easy to cross an automation or cross the wrong message or, you know, use a a merge field that populates the wrong information. And then it's like, well, now you spent money saying, hey, this ad that you're seeing in Seattle, even if you did get hurt in Pennsylvania— It's speaking to residents of Pennsylvania. So you're like, wait a minute, I'm not a
0: resident of Pennsylvania. And I'm sitting here in Washington, right? So you have like when this works, it's amazing. It's really easy for the complexity of this to overwhelm the system.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that and and you know, the more dynamic, the more complexity, the more challenges. And you know, again, I we see this in fact one of our, what we do, and we're shopping around and looking at competitors is look at the UTM parameters and the query strings in the landing pages for some of these ads. And you can really get a sense of the sophistication level of what the advertiser is doing. And it's a, you know, it's just, it's something that if you're if you're running your own ads, obviously this should be resonating with you. It's like, you gotta make sure you're paying attention to this kind of stuff. But this is one of those things like to talk to your, marketing director and your marketing agencies about is like, Hey, what's your process for making sure we've got targeting lockstep and, and that you should really be reviewing to make sure that it's like, I got ad creative landing page, URL, like somebody has got to own that and be accountable for it and managing it. Cause even, even really smart uh, and effective marketers can make these mistakes and it can be very wasteful, especially if you've got big budgets running on these platforms. I think
0: that's a really good point. The going back, like these systems can change and break, right? Going back and checking your work on the regular, I think is a really good, good point, especially if you're spending a lot of money. I think it's really important to make sure that what you think is being done and is, is what is actually being done. With that, now that we have made unfriends with people in the state of Pennsylvania, Gee, I am leaving to go spend some time with my spouse. I will see you in two weeks. Actually, I'll see you in Nashville, man.
1: Yes, can't wait to see you. Have a wonderful anniversary. Dear listeners, thank you so much for dropping by. If this is brand new to you, then please do consider subscribing. If you had a great time, leave us a review. And as always, we encourage you to hashtag LHLM us with any questions, feedback, topic ideas, and we hope to see you in Nashville for Clio. Till then, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Conrad and Guy are out of here.
0: Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk
1: Network on Twitter, Facebook. LinkedIn, and Instagram. You definitely are thinking about your anniversary. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.